and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. That, they're kind of in the same spot, actually, that the Blazers are in. Just to relate yeah. it back to Portland a little bit, like they're both kind of in the spot. And I mean, I think I think the Blazers are maybe in a little bit of a different spot, just because you know that you've got the guy. Dame is yep. the guy, and he's still at the level that he's been at this year. Like he's having arguably the best year of his career. So you've got that part of it. But this, you know, that this new look supporting cast that they, you know, they 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 brought Simons back for a lot of money. They brought in Jeremy Grant, who's been really good, but like this mix of guys, and they were pretty open going into the season about like this roster isn't complete. We need more cycles of like trade deadline, free agency, you know, whatever. But it's pretty clear now that this Blazers team is about to, you know, they haven't been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but like Dame has basically said without saying it that he's expecting to get shut down in the next week or so. And they, like, they basically, yeah. they know they're not going to be in the playoffs, but you can't go back. You can't come into next season with Dame, Simons, Grant, Nurkic as your four like main guys. They're going to have to do something and their plan is to do something and maybe something big, but it's the kind of a, a similar thing of like, okay, this is the summer. They got to do something. And I kind of feel like the bulls are in the same spot where like you were saying, they cannot just be like, oh, yeah, DeMar, Zach, Vucevic, that's our big three. Like, you know, we're just going to run it back. Well, yeah, I mean, the Simons and Dame point you bring up is a similar problem with different playing styles, right? Like, how do they yeah. both play off each other and then cover defensively at the same time, which the Bulls face in a different way, just with a more mid-ranged focus, DeMar DeRozan in a different age curve a little bit, um, perhaps. But that's the same issue right and it's hard to get these pieces and um it's funny like i mean the bulls were interested in jeremy grant in the past too you know what i mean before he landed in portland they wanted and, patrick williams right that was, wasn't that the thing yeah the bulls just weren't willing to, to part with p will at that that moment in time it doesn't feel like um the way it transpired and certainly like he he's a great piece to have on your team but when he's like your third piece that's a problem right like um who, Pat or Jeremy? Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy saying. See, I like, think Jeremy's a great number three guy is the thing. I think I think the, well, maybe prob- the, the problem, problem is the, maybe he's the number two guy. Well, the problem the problem that the Blazers have is they've got Dame, and Jeremy's a great number three guy, but you need a number two. And, and Simon's, you know, is as great of a year as Simon's has had, and, like, that's been a pretty good, you know, that contract that he's on has ended up being pretty good value. He's not a number two guy on a, on a contending team. And maybe Shade and Sharp gets to that point in three years if he, you know, reaches the upside that, you know, people still think he has. But if you're Dame at age 32, they don't have three years to wait for Shade and Sharp to maybe turn into that guy. So you kind of have to, and I, I, I fully expect Jeremy Grant is going to be back this summer as a free agent. Like, like that's, I think that's going to be a pretty open and shut thing. But what they do with the Simons slot and whether that is something they do to get, uh, you know, bring somebody else in, throw some picks, like something like that, I think is what they're going to probably end up doing this summer, depending on who's out there. 
And that, I mean, that gets to a bigger question than NBA, you know, like they're just contracts you have to give players at certain moments yeah. in time, right? Because you can't let these guys walk for nothing. That's where the but Blazers when, were at with Nurkic. Yeah, but when they are maybe one-dimensional or or have so many weaknesses at one end, even you can be a two-dimensional player, you know, if you can pass and shoot mm-hmm. um, really well but have defensive challenges, that gets really hard when you go to move them because – you can't find the exact match you want. And sometimes at some point, one of the teams is going to have to give up and just swallow their pride and give up 70 cents on the dollar and not get full value, but it might make the team better sometimes. You know what I mean? And I think with the bulls, like I feel like that's what it would be if they got rid of Vooch or DeMar. And honestly, I think getting rid of DeMar would be the smarter play there Um, just because Vooch, I thought Vooch was really good, for example, against the 76ers, just with his passing and everything. And um, sometimes he gets a little three-point shot heavy. But, like, if the Bulls would just trot out someone who could shoot six open threes in DeMar's spot in the starting lineup, right? They don't have to be an all-star. They don't have to be a 25-points-per-game guy. Like, then maybe Vooch doesn't feel like he has to shoot one of seven from three. You know what I mean? Just to chase the three-point ball when they're already so low in the NBA hierarchy and that. So I think if the Bulls formed a better team around focused what accentuates Zach Levine's strengths in many ways, I think that would have a trickle-down effect too for them. But that, again, is a tough needle to thread this summer and one I, I, I haven't fully looked at every single available player. The trade market will obviously crystallize after the playoffs and everything when some teams blow up and someone's unhappy. Um, and then everyone makes their – their decisions on player options and everything, but that's that's a tough decision for the Bulls threading that needle. Where would you put? They're in the tenth spot right now. They're two games up from Washington. I think it's probably pretty fair to say they're they're going to stay in the play-in, probably in that nine ten with yep. Toronto or Atlanta. What would you put their chances at of actually getting through the two play-in games and getting into the playoffs? Not good. If they got to go to Toronto. Um, the Raptors beat them by six, I think, in Toronto shortly after the Bulls added Patrick Beverly um, coming out of the All-Star yeah. break. The Raptors have given the Bulls some some fits this year just with how creative Nick Nurse can be. They've really, really made a point to get the ball out of DeMar and Zach's hands um, when they've played the Raptors and make other people beat you. Uh-huh. And that length they have gives the Bulls problems um, just because – the, the Raptors, I mean, those guys are quick and long, right? Like, they're not huge, bruising bodies all the time. I mean, they got Pirtle now, so that's very helpful for them um, to have a little more physicality and rim protection, which is good. But even before um, they had him, like, they could give the Bulls some problems. So I just think that would be a really hard game off the start to win for the Bulls. And then they'd have to go play another one, either against the Heat, who the Bulls just own. They just absolutely own the Heat now. But I'm still going to take Jimmy Butler in a home game against the Bulls in a winner-go-home game. Like, that's just the way it is. Or more likely, maybe they'd play the Hawks or something in that mix, too. Um, And look, like, the Bulls will be competitive in those games. I have no doubt about that in my mind. Like, I don't think this is a Charlotte Hornets situation where they get blown out by, like, 49 points or 39 points in the freaking 10th place game, 9th place game. You know, like, it's not going to be like that. Like, Patrick Beverly's going to leave his heart and soul on that floor in the playing game, and it's going to be glorious to see. I just I just don't have big confidence on them getting through that. So, I mean, like, 20 25% to get into the – 20% to get into the traditional 18 bracket, I'd say, would be my prediction now. And 
Hey, I'm on a heater hiking. I was at the all-star break. I feel like I did a podcast um, with the, uh, with Ricky and Jason on cash considerations and Those we were making guys. predictions. And I said, the bulls are going to make that dead cat bounce. They're going to take the league by storm and earn that 10 seed in the East. And that's exactly, <laughs> exactly what they're doing right now. So my predictions have been good lately. Um, so I would predict a tough loss in the play in tournament for the bulls. Uh, the Blazers have done the opposite. Like they, they have completely, they're not even, uh, they like ESPN puts up those graphics now of like the West play in. Yeah, race. they're not in the hunt anymore. They're not even in the, they're not even in the mix. They're not going to catch like San Antonio and Houston, but they're also still not even like in the mix with like with Oklahoma City, the Lakers, Utah, uh, New hey, Orleans. There are a lot of Bulls fans who wish they had whatever percent chance the Blazers will have to get Victor Wembayama. So um, just keep that in mind. There are Bulls fans that want no part of this chase for the uh-huh. eighth seed. Oh, if – I mean, especially because the Bulls owe w- – what is their pick that they owe to the Magic? Like top four protected? Top four protected, yeah. From the Vucevic so, trade? Yep, you nailed it. That's um, brutal. But Yeah, it's – I. so I was watching – I know – we don't watch a ton of college basketball, but I watched Kansas play a little bit. Grady uh-huh. Dick, the uh, good wing on on Kansas, probably could go in the lottery, obviously, this year. And, like, he kind of just reminded me a little bit of of a tall, lanky guy who can handle the ball a little bit, shoot it well, um, certainly can hold his own defensively, um, isn't a star. But I'm like, that's, that's Franz Wagner, right? Like, <laughs> we could literally have two slots in three years the Bulls give up that just like our modern day solid guys who maybe again, don't have all-star ceilings like multi all-star ceiling potential, but just strong players who do a lot of things really well in a starting lineup. And the bulls will have given up the rights to take like two of those, two of those guys in a three year stretch, all for a three and maybe what, maybe five, six year stretch of Vooch. I don't know what a contract extension could be, but the bulls want, to re-sign him i think i just don't know exactly what the price point will be and um i think it depends how it ends too and how he feels like his role's going at the end of the year and he's in a good mood now right like he did not outplay joel Embiid, but he held his own against joel Embiid, who's probably going to be the mvp of the nba and you know vuce's play on monday night was a big reason the bulls had a chance to win that game so i see like the front office's vision at times like you know, you got to have guys like this that can produce consistently and make the right play and pass and rebound and also score 20 points. They just have too many of those guys and not enough three point shooters, I think. We got to get to the really important stuff now. The Bulls, What's that? The, the legendary TNT Bulls streak finally ended this year. Oh my God, you're going to make me relive this? Go to another what? funeral? What? 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 You and I, I think, were probably there for most of the TNT yeah. Bulls games originally. What was your favorite one? Ooh, you're gonna get me. You're gonna get me going here. Um, I think maybe my my favorite one was probably Etwan Moore making a couple big shots yep. late to beat the Thunder on a night that Russell Westbrook. I'd have to look it up exactly if it was his MVP year or not. No, it was. No, it was. Was it? I no, 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 no. no, it no, no it been wasn't that. on the team then. No, yeah, no. yeah. It would. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been before that. But no, it was, was Durant was still there. He was. He was. I. I don't think Durant played that night. No. This was. No. This. This would have. This might have been the year that Durant had the foot injury, and he was out so, for like most of the year. Russell Westbrook was in MVP mode. Like you know right. how he changed yeah, yeah, yeah. triple doubles. That's how he was playing because Durant was out. So it was stylistically the same. Uh-huh. So he's doing everything. 
just absolutely blowing the bulls up with his speed and explosiveness every possession. And then we got Etron Moore hitting shots. One of the couple low key favorite moments. The streak did die at one point, and then the refs called a foul with like zero seconds on the clock and put time back on. And Jimmy Butler made two free throws to beat the Celtics. Just thought that was a great moment, you know, resuscitated the streak after it actually had died for, for a couple quick moments in time. And then Pau Gasol blocking LeBron. This might be my favorite. Uh-huh. So the season opener, Fred Hoiberg's debut, Cavs, Bulls. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure Barack Obama was in attendance. For oh, yes, he was. I, 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 we can talk about that, too, because that was <laughs> up to late in the game and Pau Gasol past his prime blocks LeBron James in his prime at the rim. Ball goes out of bounds. I think I, I think the Cavs got it and had another shot. But Pau Gasol put up a wall to hold off the Cavs and LeBron James in his prime. Like it was just like no way on earth Pau Gasol is going to deny LeBron. <laughs> I was like did. 34 was, at that point too. <laughs> that was the magic of the streak though. What was your favorite one? Which well, one I think come to mind. Well, I think mine was probably the Paul Zipser uh game-winning mm-hmm. shot against the Warriors with the Durant Warriors. I yes. think that's probably the one for me. Uh quick thing about the the Obama game. Yeah. Were you at were you at shoot around uh that morning? No, I think I know the story you're going to tell. Cuz we uh like we get to shoot around. I was I was I was writing for Bleacher Report at the time, so I was kind of still doing national stuff as well as Bulls stuff. And so I go to Cavs shoot around. Yeah. And it takes like 20 minutes to even get in the building because <laughs> in a di- we didn't we didn't know at that point that Obama yeah. was going to be there. But, you know, you go through normal security and then the Secret Service has to like pat you down and take everything out of your bag, bag. like they not only that, like, they have to, like, open up your laptop because I th- guess, like, you can rig your laptop to do something that they want to yeah. make sure that I mean, it's not. I mean, have you ever watched Jack Bauer in 24? Obviously. Years ago. But, yeah, like, <laughs> so basically you have to go through, like, these two extra layers of security. And we're just like, oh, this is kind of weird. And then we go down there. We hear that, you know, the rumor is that Obama is going to be there. Yep. And so one of the Cavs beat writers asks uh, David Blatt about it. And David Blatt goes, uh, you know, I've been in fr- I've coached in front of heads of state before, so it's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah, he has coached around dignitaries, <laughs> but he coached in Israel, right? Something like yeah. that. Rem- well, in- well, remember he uh, the the Bulls Cavs series, the last the last Tibbs series. Yeah, uh, the game where uh, LeBron like calls the timeout as the inbounder, oh. or Blatt calls the timeout, and they, and like, when they didn't have timeouts, and they don't call it, and then LeBron ends up hitting the game winner, and then David Blatt comes up and does that press conference, and like compares himself to a fighter pilot, and basically like, <laughs> you know, I have to make so many decisions. But the thing that I actually remember the most about the Obama game, even more so than David Blatt saying, well, you know, I've coached in front of heads of state before. What's At that? one point, during one of the like, late timeouts, Okay. J.R. Smith, like, like, so Obama is sitting courtside. J.R. Smith walks over and daps him up. It's like not like it's not like an official like presidential handshake. It's like an actual like I don't know if it was like coordinated ahead of time, but it was like a real like dap. That's so good, right? Like you're like, oh, LeBron obviously will go over there, right? Because like LeBron and Obama are like actually friends. Like like Kyrie has the stature to like. Right. Go over there. J.R. Smith's just, that's just perfect. <laughs> just, um, but I, from what I could tell, like, I think, I think I, because there was so much media at that game, I think I was seated up in the hockey yeah. box. But, like, 
from what I could tell, Obama rolled with it. Like he was, he was like, "Oh, cool," because Obama's a big NBA fan. He probably like actually like knows who J.R. Smith is. That that was also the pinnacle, the very peak of the Fred Hoiberg era mm-hmm. was the first game. I think you could say literally everything went downhill <laughs> from there, pretty much, including I think that was around the same time he claimed that Joakim Noah volunteered to come off the bench. Yeah. Because he thought it would make Joakim look selfless. And, and Joe Joakim... was like, what? I didn't say that. And then he just... Joe's he was like, just... no, I have more pride than that. I do what coach <laughs> says, but I uh, I think I'm a starter in this league. And then uh, like a month later, Jimmy told reporters that Fred needed to coach them harder. Oh my God. It's just unbelievable. Like, so I was just about to say, one of the most cold-blooded things was when LeBron told reporters about that playoff series that... Um, I scratched that play that, that right. David Blatt drew up yeah, yeah, that yeah. had me as an inbounder, the ball not going to me. That was very cold-blooded, also because I think he made sure to get a message to a reporter to ask about it if they weren't already going to because he wanted to put it out there. Um, but Jimmy Butler, cold-blooded to just say, Coach, Coach got a coach harder. That was pretty good. That was cold-blooded. <laughs> and then from that point on, because I, like, I, th- I think the nadir of it was probably the Hawks game in the three alphas year that they blew the 10 point lead. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Jimmy and Dwayne, uh, come out of the locker room and like basically have the exact same, same message, message about how the young guy, well, how the young, well, well, the, the message was also funny because like, it was all about how like the young guys need to want it more. And like, I should be taking Dwayne. Like I should be taking that shot. It's like Paul Zipser is not the reason they lost that game. Well, it but, was, that was just a team that, the priorities were clearly misplaced, right? When uh-huh. Dwayne Wade said that Paul Zipser shouldn't take a wide-open three-pointer <laughs> when taking wide-open three-pointers was, like, one of the few things Zipser could do at, like, yeah. close to an average level, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then Dwayne Wade saying, no, he doesn't take that shot when he was everyone on the play was making the right basketball play. It was pretty clearly obvious that at that point in Dwayne Wade's career, it was not about winning anymore. It was only about being in Chicago in a location he wanted to be in where he could also make some good money because that was not, that was just a team that did not put winning first, in my opinion. And then, uh, you know, then, you know, the next day Rondo does the Instagram post and Rondo was like already out of the rotation at that point. And so, then, you know, Hoiberg's response to that was to take Jimmy and Wade out of the starting lineup. <laughs> One quarter. It was they, every... But then they came back in at like the six minute mark of the first quarter. Yeah, and can't. then they just played their normal rotations after that. So it's like, it's like either suspend them. Like, and there were players in like the locker room that I was talking to afterwards that were like, what, what, what is, what are we doing? Like yeah, you either, gotta... either suspend them for real or don't do anything. Yeah, that was, that was absurd too. Oh my gosh. We are, we've moved on to a Bulls, uh, I mean, that was, I guess, kind of the middle ground of a player-friendly gesture, right? Like a slap on the wrist, but not real punishment. Uh We've kind of moved on to a more player-friendly organization here now. That's clearly a point for all NBA teams. The Bulls made a point to, to preach about that when they hired the new front office. But it's really, really hiking. It's the same middling results in in Chicago for the most part. Um, there were a lot of years around 500 with Fred Hoiberg at the start of that. Um, and now the bulls are a little under 500. Yeah. So this is going to be an interesting game on Friday. I'm going to guess that the bulls are probably going to put more effort into winning that game than 
the yeah. Blazers are. I think Dame's still going to play in that game, but they just released the injury report while we were on here. Uh, they just released the injury report for the oh, game okay. tomorrow against Utah, and Jeremy Grant is still out with his quad thing, and now Anthony Simons is out for with foot soreness. So there, it's it's starting to they're starting to. to we understand what's going on. They're Every, starting. They're going to have like a if they if they're in sixth, they'll have a nine percent chance, and if they're in fifth, they'll have a ten and a half percent chance yep. at Victor Wembanyama. So I. They, they know what's up. They're gonna, they're gonna just like to just, just for optics, they're gonna keep Dame in the lineup for like a few more games. But you know, I was convinced Dame was gonna score eighty points the night they played at the United Center. The Bulls beat him, but he, mm-hmm. he was just spectacular, especially in the first half of that game. So like, if he plays, obviously the Bulls could be in big trouble. But like, this is a Bulls team that is taking care of business lately um, against teams that it should. So if he's out, like. This is a prime opportunity for the Bulls to hang in there on a West Coast road trip that that could be pretty darn hard. Obviously, Lakers coming up too um, for them, and and this is a spot where like the Bulls are just as long as they don't collapse, they're going to be the ten seed. You know what I mean? So um, every win obviously is going to be crucial for them, and every loss is going to be crucial for the Blazers. So yes. I mean, there are clearly goals that can align Friday night in Portland, and the Bulls are still not getting that pick. No. Uh, Although I do, I do think they're gonna get a pick from the Blazers this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's probably that could be their only pick too. The or I mean you're saying the Blazers is lottery protected. Yes. So when the Blazers land in the lottery, the Bulls are gonna that's gonna push back to next year. But what I think is gonna happen, or what I think there's a good chance it happens, and I've talked about this on here before. Repealing it, repealing those. Well, what I think they're gonna do is because they got a first this year from the Knicks in the Josh Hart trade. Mm. that's probably going to be like 18 or 19 or 20. So what I think there's a good chance they do is go to the Bulls and just say, look, this is like equivalent to the pick that we would have given you guys if we made the playoffs. Can we just give you this pick and call it good? And I think the Bulls are going to agree to that just so they have a pick this year. Yeah, because the Bulls also owe Adam Silver a second round pick because they signed Lonzo. Um, three seconds into free agency, <laughs> which nobody which, does that. Nobody does that. I don't. They should have just not broken the rules. They were the only team that does that. No other team you know, has ever. Tampered. Some people would say you can't do a full medical evaluation in three seconds. I don't. <laughs> I'm. I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm sure they did their proper medical evaluation, yeah. of Lonzo, between 5 p.m. and 5 p.m. 03, whatever seconds it is. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, they they don't have a lot of uh, draft capital right now. The Bulls still owe one to the Spurs as well for the DeMar DeRozan trade. Um, Obviously probably sending one of the magic most likely here as well. And second rounders are just like candy that they throw out in any trade these days, basically. So I can't, I couldn't even tell you the next time the Bulls actually have a second round pick. The Lonzo thing just sucks, man. It's so sad. When they say cartilage transplant, that feels career ending to me. I mean, this is, there's no other way to frame it other than a last ditch effort. Right. Yeah. And, like, that's not to say that last-ditch effort can only have a 1% chance to work, but it's clearly the worst option um, and the last option to to save his career. And um, it's just a really, really um, dire, sad outlook. You feel terrible for him. Um, you feel terrible for, for just the organization, too, because he uplifted so many of them. Like, he was those so te- good. Those teammates love him to death. Like, yeah. um, they, they really do, so... Um, his 
I don't know. It's I don't know what to say. I'm sad for Bulls fans too because basically the happiest Bulls fans have been since basically near the end of the Tibbs Rose era was when Lonzo was throwing outlet passes to Zach Levine for 35 games, right? Like that was the happiest Bulls fans had been in so long um, to see fun basketball. And he's just a huge reason for it. And they're going to have to somehow cover it up. And uh, they're going to have, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into the mechanics of their options eventually, but it's going to be really, really interesting how they approach it. Right. Because the career ending injury thing, like it has to be a year past the last time they played a game that he played a game. So if he comes back and plays for them late next season and it doesn't work out, it probably takes away the ability to use the career ending injury provision to get his 20 million off the books for his final year, you know, but uh-huh. everyone's so smart here, like way smarter than, than you and I, when it comes to this medical stuff. Yeah. So I'm sure they will probably have a pretty firm grasp on whether it worked or not. Right. Like if it didn't clearly work, they're not going to trot him back out there for another NBA game. Um, so it's a last ditch effort. It feels like. Yeah, there's really no precedent for that procedure working as far as, like, getting yeah. a guy back out on the court. Like, I think they tried – like, I think Festus Azili had that at one point, and he never played again. I yeah. think that was – I don't think Brandon Roy ever had that, but, like, something I think they talked about doing with Brandon Roy at one point. But Brandon Roy is just a name that keeps popping into my head whenever I see another one of these Lonzo updates is because that just, that just feels like that's the direction that it's going, unfortunately. Yeah, and – uh I, I also don't know what they're going to do. You know, I mean, like, I mean, the Bulls next year, they got to they gotta get to work and use the disabled player exception if they can at least to yeah. get a $10 million exception to use in season, right? Like, if they can tell Adam Silver in the NBA, look, it's not happening this year. He's going to be out all year. They'll give him that probably in five seconds. They'll, they'll stamp that. But then you got to go about acquiring that, that player too. And it has to be someone in the last year of their contract, which um, can be a little difficult and isn't as much help as, as you'd, you'd hope to add, right? Like they need someone that's a pretty darn good point guard to slot into that spot for, for two, three years here. And they're not going to be able to do that immediately. Probably. Yeah. Well, hate to end on a down note, but that's kind of where the bulls and the blazers are both at right now. Uh, so Cody, it was great to do this with you again. Yeah. After, I mean, what, five years since we stopped doing them for six years, actually? Yeah, I kind of want to go back and listen to some uh, early on locked up. Oh, Bulls. God. I, 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 I could not bear to do it. I'll bet they're terrible. Oh, the, the pro- production audio quality is pretty terrible on them. I think some of the takes and the mechanics of how we flow is pretty terrible. Um, but at least it was uh, entertained a few Bulls fans. We got better but, later on. It's one of those it ones. Certainly, that was. That was both, both of our of first time. That was both of our first time actually hosting a podcast on like just, a regular basis, and I feel I'll like never, I'll never forget just going off on the Bulls for like playing Ryan Archie Diacono like significant minutes at some point. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you have to have a standard and threshold. Current like Blazer Ryan Archie Diacono, by the way. There you go. It see, it's all come full circle. The best Ryan episode. Was. The best episode of Locked On Bulls that we did. And this is actually one that I would encourage people to go back and listen to if you want to go back six years in the archives or whatever. (laughs) But when Jerry Krause died, we had Sam Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he just talked about covering Jordan in the 80s. It was so good. Sam's incredible. Sam's the best. That was was actually one that will make you um, extremely more informed and and smarter. So, yeah. um, So, But, yeah, um, anytime, give me a holler. Fun to hop on. 
Yeah. Fun to talk about a couple uh, teams that have disappointed a little bit. The Bulls still have a little bit more life in them, though. Just a little bit. Yeah, Cody, read your stuff, 670thescore.com, as always, at Cody Westerland on Twitter. Uh, I'll see you in a couple months when I'm in town for the Combine. And thanks for, thanks for coming on. Yep, anytime. Take care.